Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. He's Patrick, I'm Rajan, and recording this a handful of hours after the Washington football team lost their second game in a row, uh, dropping a one and two on this young 2020 season after losing by a score of 34 to 20 to the Cleveland Browns earlier today. Um, Patrick, there's one obvious glaring flashing neon sign of a storyline that's going to be mercilessly and endlessly debated all week. It's going to be brutal for anyone who's still dumb enough to listen to talk radio or anything of that ilk. Um, anyone who watched the game, anyone who just looks at the box score, they know exactly who or what or who we're talking about. And we're going to spend probably a fair amount of time talking about that or that particular person. But outside of that, any general takeaways you had from the game earlier today? Yeah, I thought, um, you know, there's a, I had a couple of thoughts. One, we're still in first place. <laughs> Amazingly. Uh, amazingly, we are going into week four in first place in our division. Uh, but realistically, uh, my thoughts were, I think we are doing things that make us look more competent than years past. I, I, I thought that our offense today, like, was very creative um we got the ball into people's hands uh, in creative ways and as a result we actually moved the ball a little bit uh the defense is a strength for sure and sweat was phenomenal today i, I think i even texted you I, I feel like he grew up today oh yeah um a little bit you know he has he's he's one of those combine freaks um that we've been kind of waiting to flash and oh boy did he flash today so that's exciting you know i we are who we are. Um, obviously, that win over the Eagles, which is looking worse and worse because they're freaking terrible. Um, you know, I think we are who we are. Ron is um, – Rivera is, is definitely trying to figure out this season. He's definitely trying to figure out this team. He knows we're bad. And he's, you know, trying to take it for what it is. And that was kind of my take in the game. The Browns are not very good. And – you know, obviously the story you're hinting to, we, we have basic quarterback play today and I bet we win the game. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like if we had Jason Campbell playing, we win. Like that kind of pains me to say a little bit, but it's probably true. Uh, so that's my takeaways. I, this team is who it is. We're probably going to say the same thing about this team for the next 14 weeks, 15 yeah. weeks, 13 weeks, whatever it is. Um, but I was excited with the coaching. That's my takeaway is like, I thought Wright, I think Wright might low-key be kind of good. Um, you know, that end around to AGG for 20 yards was great. I think we got a player in Gibson. Um, Logan Thomas is the worst starting tight end in the league, uh, and the defense is, is not terrible. I mean, they, they could – good safety play, and we have a top-ten defense. Um, so those are my takeaways. I think we are who we are. We're, you know, I'm, I'm not backing away from my 6-10 and 10 prediction, but, uh, you know, that's – we're not a good team, and – when you beat yourselves, I'm rambling a little bit, but when you turn the ball over five times, you're not going to win. That's yeah. So the obvious storyline, and that's going to segue into the larger conversation we'll have that we have alluded to multiple times now, five turnovers lead to 21 points. We lost 34 to 20. Do the simple math. Basically, Cleveland scored 13, and we handed them 21. And that's a pretty simple thing. We scored 20 points on our own. So if it were not for three of those five turnovers, three of those – turnovers being interceptions thrown by a particular person that led to 21 or directly attributable to 21 points by Cleveland. Like I said, simple math. Um, you said it. And I think the frustrating thing for me today 
outside of quarterbacking, which again, we'll talk about endlessly. Um, it was Cleveland gave us a chance and we very, 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 very much had a chance today to win. Uh, I agree with you that the, I think the coaching staff put together a very solid game plan. I thought it was uh, creative. There's a lot of things that we'll touch on again through the course of this pod, um, but they did a lot of good things, but the whole time as, as, Cleveland started adapting a little bit and we couldn't get them off the field. And more importantly, as we started shooting ourselves in the foot, I made it down in my, took it down in my notes. And I'm like, we're keeping the defense on more and more on the field. Like it was great in the first quarter. We were getting the defense off the field. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, we forced the first three and out to start the season or to start the game this season. Like Philadelphia didn't go three and out to start the year. Like their first drive, I think they scored Arizona. I'm sure they scored in the first drive. Um, Carolina and Arizona both scored touchdowns opening drive. Right. And we forced them three and out. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it was three and out in the first two drives. So like, to me, that's, I'm like, all right, we already have growth there. Um, you know, we, I think we're leading after the first quarter. We're leading after the third quarter. Like this is, this is growth right here. Like there, there was, there were things, but then as we started to let them back onto the field more and more, and I'm like, look, the defense is going to get tired. Like if we keep handing the ball back to Cleveland in optimal field position, like it's just going to tire out our defense. And that's exactly what happened in the fourth quarter. Like anyone, I think Grant Paulson, credit to Grant Paulson, um, you know, both of us have mixed feelings in general, but he said it really articulately and I think in a tweet where he's like, look, if anyone blames the defense, they're morons because the defense spent basically pushing, spent all day pushing a boulder up the hill, boulder uphill, you know, Sisyphus level. Down lessons, you guys. Right. On top of that, I mean, you know, you lose Chase Young and Ionitis early in the second quarter. So that hurt a lot. Um, in the first quarter, I thought the, we were getting really, really good pressure. Um, I, in fact, I crushed somebody on, on Twitter because they were like, our off, see, what, see what an offensive line looks like? Look what Cleveland's offensive line is looking like. And I'm like, we were getting pressure on Baker all first half. Like he was running for his life. With just many, four. It, it, we weren't even blitzing. And we we're, were consistently generating pressure with our guys. I'm like, if you're excited about that, I mean, I guess maybe that's an upgrade from the guys we have. But if that is your bastion of offensive lineman, like you need help, man. Like you're just, people are, yeah, people just, I don't know what they want to see or how myopic they are in general. Um, but uh, yeah, we were, it's just, we ran out of gas because we didn't, we kept handing the ball back to them and we beat ourselves. And I agree with you. I probably overrated Cleveland a little bit heading into this game, but this was just so winnable. And that's why it was frustrating to see. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't particularly think they were that good. Uh, their running game is very good, yeah. uh, and you can see you can see once we lost. I think Ionitis and Chase Young are our two best defensive linemen. For as great as Sweat was today, for as good as you know Allen is and Payne is, and goddamn, there's a lot of first run talent on that. You know, for good as all these guys are, Ionitis and Young are. I, I mean, Ionitis has been like the people are like, oh, he's low key their best. Like he's there's nothing low key he's about him. They're best defensive best. linemen for he's a couple of years. He's he's awesome. He's awesome. And Chase Young is just well. My buddy always texts me, Chase Young is such a pure joy to watch. And I mean, it's such a, like, simple text, and it's so true. He's just so good. Uh, and so when we lost both of them, I was like, uh-oh. Uh, but, you know, to your point, we came out in the first quarter. We we scored on our second drive, I think. But the first drive, we moved, we flipped the field completely. Um, and we were up 7 nothing, And then I think we went into the fourth up 2017, if I'm not mistaken. And the team had a disastrous second quarter and just ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. So that, that's where we are. Like, I don't care if you're – I'm watching the Saints and Packers right now, too. We'll call them, you know, 
terrific franchises in the NFL. If they're if they're minus five, they're gonna lose. And we were minus five with bad talent. Yeah. So that's the result. That's the I mean, it is what it is. I, I'm not mad at the scans. I was very excited entering the fourth quarter, but um you know, this is the team or this the team we've been dealt. So here we are. I was going to say it's a very familiar way sequence of uh, events happening after that. Um, I want to circle back on one of the po- points you made as well. Um, as you said, this is probably something we're going to repeat for the next 13 weeks ad nauseum in addition to this, what we'll say tonight. But this is just not a good, this is, the roster is not there yet to consider ourselves really capable of truly beating someone or being better than someone else. I think um, Ron Rivera said as much, and you've said this multiple times as well, that like, look, this is a renovation job. They have not hidden from that modus operandi. Like they know that this is, there's still so much that they have to tear down before they start building it up. I think if anything, there were really like really solid building blocks type of takeaways from this is that, look, we're not getting out coached, which is something that we can't say about before. We're not, if this is a word, we're not getting out efforted. Like that's not happening. We're just not a good football team. And I think that's the simple answer to this. We don't have the talent. We don't have the firepower. And outside of the defensive line, like we're just not able to stand with other teams and be like, we're just as good as you. Outside of the offensive line and maybe Terry McLaurin, right? Like that's all we can hang our hat on. And I think we really, really, the fandom really needs to have a come to Jesus about this because everyone just sits and acts like we should be winning these games 50 to nothing. And I'm like, do you understand the product that you're working with? You know, one thing I kept coming back to, and I'm like, if you really think about this, Bruce Allen, he's like, imagine you're a property owner and Bruce Allen was basically this horrible tenant who like was about to get evicted and he just trashed the house on the way out. And the house is what we have left now and we have to fix it. I think you're hundred percent right that, you know, Jason Campbell or somebody of that level could have probably led us to a win today. But if we had value over like the, the average replacement player quarterback, I wouldn't even call it value average or value above. Like if you had replacement level quarterback today, we're still a six and 10, seven and nine team at best. So I want to take a segue to the fans who are all talking about, like I saw countless and I mean it from smart fans. Like one of my good friends were like, we need to tank for Trevor. And I'm like, that's so stupid if this is your solution to that. I am not saying that Haskins is the answer, and I'm not saying, or I'm not not saying, pardon the double negative, that t- Trevor Lawrence or some new quarterback is the answer. But why are we going to subject the new guy to this? Whoever the next quarterback is, if you could insert him today into our lineup, what are we giving him to work with? Like, the next quarterback is not the silver bullet magic pill solution to all of this. There's so much work to do. There's this roster is just not good. There's so many holes to fill. And you think that just aiming or like hoping for the next quarterback to replace Haskins is all of a sudden going to fix everything. Like that's how we got here in the first place. Cause all we're doing is shuffling quarterbacks and forgetting about the rest of the roster, or maybe like adding a sexy player here and a sexy player here. Right? Like what does that solve? Now you have another shiny new quarterback with horse shit around him. And like, I just get so frustrated where everyone's like, Haskins sucks, we need to replace him with a new quarterback. And like, tank for Trevor and you know, lose for Lawrence and all this horse shit. And I'm like, what about all the other problems we have? Like, let's worry about those in addition to the problems that we're facing at the quarterback position. So that's my soapbox. Yeah, and the tank for Trevor thing, 
I mean, I part of me gets it because what a young I mean, part of me gets it because Trevor Lawrence appears at least to be freaking awesome. Um, but I would also argue, like, if we are going to tank for Trevor, wouldn't you want to keep Dwayne in? Because right now, he doesn't look like he's going to win as many games. Like, he's not elevating players. I, I think he could get there, and I want him to get there, and we'll talk about it. But, like, did you, that tank for Trevor group today not watch Dwayne Haskins? Like, Dwayne Haskins sucked today. I am a large supporter of Dwayne Haskins. And it's well known, and I'm gonna defend him when we get when we get there because <laughs> I don't want to be wrong. <laughs> uh, but I'm also oh, very okay with admitting that like Haskins, like if Haskins plays like he does today, we're going one to fifteen, and you'll get your Trevor Lawrence, or we'll sign Cam Newton because he'll be a free agent and he knows Rivera or whatever, whatever you know, spin Ashburn any direction you want. Well, oh god, that would suck, but. I just don't think we're going to be bad enough to, to get Trevor. So I don't think it's really much of a point. The The group of people online saying, play Kyle Allen, he can't, he can't be worse. Like, newsflash, he is worse. Also, like, he he's not going to be our quarterback next year, so what's the point, you know? Um, and then the group of people are saying, I think it was Florio. I really hate Florio. I don't know why. I don't know what you're saying. Florio is just a step above. He's just a step above Skip Bayless. Dude, he's awful. And today, he, he, after the game, he was like, he tweeted out, uh, you know, Alex, is it Alex Smith time? And I was like, dude, I'm not trying to see a murder on the field. Right. No way should that guy. My, my, I guess my whole on your soapbox now, I'm on a soapbox. We're, we're on a soapbox about the same thing. Uh, you know, the reality is, is like, if we go one and fifteen with Dwayne, then we know. If we go seven and nine, six and ten with Dwayne, then we know we can do something with him. It doesn't matter. He's got to play. Just play him, and if so, be it. I I don't know. I, I just for the fans who think that we're always looking for the next shiny thing. Like again, this is why we keep getting here in the first place. Um, let's just let's pause on that this Haskins stuff momentarily, and we'll we'll get to the three up the few. Um, positives in the game uh you were a little more bullish on the coaching than i was i mean i don't think we did a bad job as i said i think the game plan was well flip-flop from last week yeah the well (laughs) right um i I think the coaching plan game plan was well designed um i didn't see anything extraordinarily better than like the previous weeks which is why i think i was more like yeah you know we don't need to include it but um i that's not to take away that there was nothing good about it like um i think Turner again did a nice job of mixing. Uh, well, a couple of things. Turner did a nice job of mixing in plays that would get Haskins comfortable. He did a nice job of mixing in plays that were not already seen on tape. And one thing that we'll get to in a moment, um, he did a nice job of building plays for some of the guys on the roster who had not been previously used until today. Um, but so one of one area I wanted to start. Um, We've all we've talked about it for the last two weeks. Antonio Gibson looks great. He, you know, in those moments that he gets the ball, he plays really, really well, and he, he flashes talent, yada yada, and all that. Um, in the second half, in particular, that one drive. I mean, it's sad that we're just talking about one drive, but in that one drive, he was running like a grown ass man. Like he was running as well as any Redskins runner we've had in quite some time, uh, just consistently, and it was really nice to see. Now. Credit to the offensive line. That was one of the few times that they had their shit together and they opened up some really nice lanes for him. But he just looked ex- well above average, if not exceptional. And it was really heartwarming to see. 
um, you know, him playing at that level and knowing that like, it's not just you're getting flashes and otherwise he's kind of whatever, like he can be a really, really good running back if our offensive line, which as you've said many times, and I completely agree with you, is a bottom five unit in the league, uh, apples to apples. Uh, if they can kind of do better, that there's a lot of upside with him. He averaged 5.4 yards a carry, which is back-to-back weeks uh, that he's been over five yards. He led the team in yards per carry uh, as uh, in the first game with four in the winner of Philly. I The run that sticks out to me is the second-to-last play of the first half where he bounced it outside. He should have gone out of bounds, but uh, he ran basically – it was about a 10-yard little – you know, it was, it was basically a power play that he bounced to the outside and got 10 yards. And I – he got outside so quick with little jump cut. I was like, whoa. Um, and he also leads the league in um, uh, missed tackles, I think. He's, at least he's in the top five. Like, and he doesn't touch the ball that often. He only had nine carries. He had three catches. That's 12, you know, 12 times the ball is in. I think it needs to get up to 15, to your point. This is the second full week that he's flashed. He's definitely our best playmaker of the backfield. McKissick, though, has been pretty good, too, in his own right. Um, but I like Gibson. I think I think he's learning something that Scott Turner said last week that I think hit home on his touchdown run. And to your point, when he was running kind of like a grown-ass man, is he makes a quick jump cut or makes a guy miss and doesn't look for the next guy to miss, right? He makes it, and then he just goes. Yes. And, and he – I hate I hate the whole like I'm an announcer so I have to say a good running back always falls forward bullcrap. Um, even though it's true, I just like every announcer says it, so I'm over it. But every time he touches the ball, he's falling forward. He's getting extra yards. He's the only negative play I can think of was a sc- uh, little like semi screen we ran to him. I was just like Haskins just can't throw a screen pass. It's just just don't pet, take it out of the fucking playbook. Um, but. I like Gibson. I think, you know, I, I would get more creative with him. Um, I'm excited about him. I think we should put him in the slot a little bit, isolate him with a linebacker. Um, he's shifty, man. I, I, I have, I bet you by week after the first five weeks we play week six, we play the giants, I think. Um, and heaven Lord, we better win that game. Uh, but I'm giving him 15, 15, um, full running back touches out of the backfield a game. Not nine. He had nine today. I'm giving him at least 15 because I, mean, I think he'll get better as the game goes on. As we said last week, at this point, what do you have to lose? Nothing. Although McKissick's been pretty good. They have a nice little – I don't even know if Barber was on the field today. I didn't hear his name. Uh, maybe towards the end, like in garbage time, but <laughs> we'll get there regardless. Um, also, as we touch uh, – one thing I want to close the loop there that you mentioned that I – Never thought about, but I completely agree. One of my biggest frustrations with running backs, especially like shiftier, faster running backs, is uh, they'll pass on the three yards to go get the 30 and end up getting nothing, right? And I think you make a great point that McKissick, uh, excuse me, that Gibson will take the three yards. He will not try to you know hit a home run on every single play. I think that's one of my biggest frustrations. In fact, I said this honestly about Saquon Barkley when he was coming out. Like I would watch a lot of his highlights and I'm like, he doesn't want to run for two yards. Like he doesn't want to get those dirty two yards. Like just put his one foot in the ground and move forward. Like, and because he was just so much more freaking talented than anybody else, he could get those massive runs. But I'm like, that was one thing which I, I was never particularly fond of him um, coming out. I mean, he was an incredible athlete, but like I said, I thought he was a little overrated, but 
another conversation for another day, but Gibson does get, take the yards that are in front of him. The fall forward cliche that you talked about is very much there. So um, that's another nice fit aspect of his game. Uh, going on to the rest like of the, going on to the rest of the living positives. up to the height. Yeah. I mean that, that's, so that's another great thing, right? Like there was so much like in the abbreviated so glimpse of training camp that we were able to get so many people like they love Gibson and, you know, Gibson played really well and he flashed and so forth. And it's like, Oh, that was legit. Right. It wasn't just against like, it wasn't training camp. He wasn't Taylor Jacobs. If for those fans remember him. Um, Jacobs. Right. Remember, just, uh, training camp Superman and game day tar- uh, game day Jane or game day Lois Lane. Um, Isaiah Wright and Antonio Gandy Golden. Uh, nice to see them on the field. Contributed, and again, we've harped on the fact that Dwayne's playmakers stink. If that is even like harsh enough to say about them, um, and so anybody who can do things with the ball in their hands is a welcome addition to this offense. You gotta watch this tomorrow. Sorry, you gotta watch this Kamara play. <laughs> oh my word! <laughs> Can't we find Melvin um, Kamara? Well, we'll start using Gibson like him. Good lord, that was sweet. Um, I could totally cut you off there. I'm sorry. No, no, I was, you're like, fine. Trenched in watching Antonio Kamara. G- um, yeah, Antonio Gibson and uh, or no, uh, Ganny Golden and Wright. Um, so I'm gonna give you a. There was one singular play where I was like, "Whoa, Isaiah might be able to, might be able to play." Um, he had an end around that was pretty sweet. He made a guy miss, got in the field for about 10 yards, 12 yards. Um, and then the the play though that stood out to me for right was actually an incompletion. Um, it was actually the most frustrated I was with our team all day because I a lot of people talk about, oh, we need to find – like we need Dwayne to elevate the team. Uh, but then when he makes a good throw and – like Gandy Golden dropped it or, or Wright's out of bounds. Like that, that kind of stuff kind of pissed me off, even though we ended up scoring on that drive. But the play that stands out to me with Wright is, is um, the incomplete pass when Dwayne threw him an absolute dart on the sideline. He had one foot in. He's got to learn that in college, you need more than one foot in. You need to you need both feet in. But he was so fluid um, with, with his hands, his movements. He's big. He's shifty. He makes guys miss. I like, he's so much better. I mean, I've, we've only seen him. I think he had six targets today, but here's a fun AWS stat for you. Now, granted there's a game on right now and there's a game on tomorrow. So this could totally change by the time someone listens to this, but in terms of pure separation, so AWS tracks how, how much separation receivers get. Uh, he is fourth in the league right now in this week in separation. He was getting on average over four yards of separation per route. Um, that is like next level stuff. Four yards is insane. And, you know, granted, he's probably getting a linebacker or, you know, some dumpy cornerback the Browns have because they don't know who he is and he's a, you know, undrafted uh, free agent. But he shot, he, dude, he balled out today for when he had the ball. He jacked up some dude to keep Dwayne's interception total from three to four. Um, and, you know, Gandy Golden had that 22-yard end around, which was nice. Uh, he did drop that pass from Haskins, and I was, I was fuming over it. It was a little off, um, but yes, he, it, at the end of the day, it's going to be a tribute. An NFL receiver down. catches that ball. Yep. Um, but these, these are the guys that we got to play. Like, we talk about how you and I, for ad nauseum for three weeks now, maybe four if you go back to the previous, like, preseason pod. But uh, 
the lack of sheer talent, the lack of like playmakers that we have. Well, we did in our, in our up, we're talking about a running back first. Now we're talking about two rookie receivers. Um, I'm not saying they're going to be Antonio Brown anytime soon, but uh, he was a seventh round pick. Uh, who's an undrafted stud receiver? Sixth, yeah. Whoever. I'm not saying they're going to be amazing. I'm not saying they're going to be amazing, but it was nice to see them flash because we need them to flash. And I thought Wright, Wright looked like an NFL player today. I was very excited about that. Adam Thielen was undrafted. He also looks kind of sweet in the uniform. Well, great. Be, be Adam Thielen. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, they, were, I, they were big big ups for me. Again, going back to the same thing we said about Gibson, among others, just keep giving them stuff because at this point it can't hurt, right? Like if the, the more opportunities we can build in to give them opportunities, uh, it can't hurt because – Steven Sims hasn't done anything of particular notice this year. He's got a, he's got a bum toe. Um, and Dontrell Inman, I deliberately left him off the list because, okay, he had like he had the touchdown. He had the second touchdown. Uh, we'll get to your point about injuries in terms of the three down because, you know, he's he injured that wrist and that did not look good. I think it was a wrist or the wrist. No, it's broken. Right. Um, but Inman is what he is, as we've said for so many other players. And it's like, look, if there's guys with upside who could be put even more than him, even more than a journeyman receiver who kind of flashed into a starting or forced into a starting role, let's do it. Uh, I'm going to kind Dude, of, I, I'm, I think, ahead. I think Wright looked, I think Wright looked every bit of an NFL receiver today. Um, he looked big. He looked strong. Kind of looked like uh, Montez Sweat, who we're about to talk about. Because, I was going to say Montez uh, Sweat. So, Montez, first half of the season last year is like, okay, whatever. But the first half of the season was just a shit show in general. So, you know, you can't really hold anything against anyone. But uh, second half of the year came on, had a couple games with a couple sacks, something like that. I can't remember the exact numbers off my head. Montez Sweat played as well as any Redskins WFT pass rusher I've seen in a long time. In a long time. Just singularly there all the damn time. It was absolutely fantastic to watch like it's not even about the the numbers or like what the net production was uh, i will go on fact and say montez sweat played better today than chase young played in week one and chase young played a hell of a game against the eagles but montez sweat wow that was incredible today and that's not recency bias like um he was flashing from i think the very first or second drive in the game uh they had this like weird end around thing to that guy that Chris Spielman kept talking about Jojo Nelson, whoever the hell that guy was uh, that got like, we were, that got nipped for like a few yards on an end around. That's because Montez sweat helped blow that up. Um, He, the intentional, uh, intentional grounding on Baker. That was Montez sweat. He had another big sack in the second half or he had another sack. I should say in the second half, he had another big tackle for loss. It was early in the drive that Cleveland eventually scored on, but like they started off, um, you know, like he, put them deep into uh, into like third and long or whatever. And I think Mayfield had a pass to Odell and, you know, it, it snowballed from there. But he was excellent. There was another play that they did really, really well. And even then it was like he was just inches away from making another big play. And it was just – he was awesome. And it was just so much fun to watch him. And like every single time you saw someone from the edge kind of coming around and, and attacking Mayfield, it was Montez Sweat. And it, it was – like I said, it was great. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I mean, there's a reason we agree on a lot of stuff because <laughs> everything you said is 100 percent true. Um, I texted you during the game that Sweat grew up, and I've said it this is the third time in this podcast. I say it. he is clearly overshadowed by 
young and you know the other talent on the on the offensive line he showed glimpses last year but he kind of disappeared he he had a little Preston Smith in him where he was always close but never getting home. Um, but, man, the play, you referenced it, when the the intentional grounding play. Now, granted, if you didn't watch the game, he wasn't blocked. So, you know, take that for what it is. But the sheer speed of closing this speed. dude, closing his closing speed to Baker was nuts. This guy, this guy he ran a 4 4 one yes. at the Combine. Yes. And good Lord, did he show that speed today. Um, I was, uh, I literally, my mouth dropped when he was able to get from the other hash all the way to the, uh, across the field to force that um, intentional grounding. Look, this dude, he is massive. He's a specimen. He's a combine freak. And I think he's been a little overshadowed, but today he's coming out party and I haven't read it yet, but I know that uh, Rihanna Walker of the athletic has wrote a, post after game being like they have young and they have sweat and they're going to be there for a long time and like be aware because those two dudes if they play together both at the level they can play at I mean our line goes from like we talk about it being good to being great being like legitimately great um I was so pumped for sweat today like mostly because I think I think to last year's um draft and it's no secret that the reason we drafted Dwayne at 15 is because Dan wanted him oh yeah uh, but Kyle desperately wanted another pass rusher so we traded up to get sweat Kyle um, would have drafted so, sweat at 15 so there's two things that I want to touch right. on there Kyle so number one it is I didn't know that part but well documented yeah. that um where did Danny where did Danny dumpy Danny go I don't like to call him Danny Dimes I like to call him dumpy Giants Danny. Duke yeah, um, no no like what it was he, he, went, was, to he went to you know sorry the, the sixth the, pick or sixth overall fifth or sixth uh, one of those yeah, two right um, I have no idea if you go back and really watch Giants fans like this is great YouTube video I reference it all Six. the time of like Giants fans like losing their shit when the team drafts uh, Daniel Jones one of the funniest things you'll ever watch by the way of like how they reacted when they drafted Daniel Jones. Um, it was well documented that all the Giants fans were either let's get Montez Sweat with that pick or Josh Allen, the Josh Allen Kentucky pass rusher, not the Wyoming quarterback that plays for the Bills, the, the, the Kentucky pass rusher, Josh Allen, right? The one who's in Jacksonville and playing quite well there. That was their guy. They wanted one of those two. Montez Sweat was very much, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, not to toot my own horn or by any stretch, but I think he was a guy I mocked to them at six when the, like my, in my final one, based off of intel that I read around the league off Twitter and stuff like that um, on the draft. And they the fact that thing, right? I can't remember if it was a heart. That sounds right. That's, that sounds accurate, which, um, you know, those draft day rumors tend to be accurate, i.e. Darius Geis and maybe to a lesser extent, Derwin James, and sometimes can be complete horseshit. Like, where is Jonathan Allen's injury, like d- huge documented injury history? He was supposed to be a top three pick and we got him at 17 if I'm – correct about that one so some of these draft day rumors tend to be complete horseshit and you see a guy fall for no like for some real bogus reason but irrespective of all of that um what we were saying earlier that kyle like if dan snyder didn't walk into the room like hey that's great we're gonna draft um dwayne haskins i am highly confident that it would have been montez sweat at 15 for us and then i'm pretty confident the fact that as sweat started to drop into 23 24 or whatever um we were like, hey, we have a chance to trade up and go get him. And then there's this great YouTube series that the Colts did, um, 
like oh, yeah. documented I've never 2019 seen it, but I know you're talking about. It's great. I would if you're any any NFL nerd who wants to watch it, just go look it up. I can't remember what what it's called, but it's about the Indianapolis Colts. And just it's like six episode series, about an hour each, of Chris Ballard like leading up from like the scouting process up to the draft. And there's a clip of him taking the call from Bruce Allen, and like the decision takes like two minutes. So like we clearly were like looking at him like if sweat's falling, let's make a move, and we did, and it cost us whatever it did. I think the swap of twos or the two this year and the two next year. Um, point being, they wanted a pass rusher, which you said, and it worked out. And in retrospect, it was a great decision. It was. really wish that Dan Snyder had not walked in and we just drafted him at 15. Uh, uh, I would love to have that second-round pick, um, or both our second-round picks, for that matter. We didn't have one this year either, did we? Yeah. I don't think so. Um, yeah, no, Sweat, dude, he, he grew up, I think um, – I think one of the I'm going to segue a bit for you, yep. Uh, because I know it's I know it's getting late your time, uh-huh. uh, but the the idea that so Sweat came out of I think he showcased everything we've been hoping for the last year, year and a quarter. Um, but on the flip side, of that one of the reasons I think he did show out so much is the fact that Chase wasn't in the game, uh, Nides wasn't in the game. Uh, we lost Inman today again. I don't think I was pretty hard on Inman last week. Uh, in this podcast, I, I don't think him is very good, but he's also reliable, doesn't drop the ball. Um, and I, he definitely broke his wrist or arm or something. Uh, I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. Uh, but before Ioannidis and Young, those are the two I'm going to focus on, went out of the game. They Chubb couldn't run on us. Hunt couldn't run on us. We were getting pressure with just four. Um, I even made a note. Uh, to tell buddies of mine is I don't think we blitzed once in the first quarter. I don't remember a single blitz uh, because we didn't have to. And w- when we lost I Nidus, I was like, oh boy, because you know that's the one that hurts. And when we, yeah, could, and then when we lost Chase, I was like, oh boy. And what happens with that with those injuries is we don't know the extent. Although, from what I hear, Chase Young's not that bad. But we don't know what's going on with Nye. The fact that he was ruled out with an arm injury that fast can't be good. Yeah. Screams pectoral screams pectoral to me or something. Um, but what happens is, as the game progressed, that line, which is so vaunted, just wore down. Yeah. And, you know, Chubb started hitting holes. And when a running back gets into our secondary, I mean, Collins and Abke suck. So... It's not going to be good. And those injuries, I mean, they're not the reason we lost the game by any means, but because of the way Dwayne played, they kind of are because we could no longer stop. We could no longer control the line of scrimmage, and we had to sacrifice because of it. And, you know, it sucked. Troy Apke is who he is, and I am firmly your co-pilot on the Troy Apke is the worst player in the NFL um, airline. Like I'm I- bored. Right. I, I, I strap me up and assign me up for the ride and for a round trip on that plane, because I am a hundred percent with you. Um, for me, I'm for, I'm more on the counterpart for Landon Collins. Landon Collins is veering dangerously towards what I like to call Brian Arakbo territory that you are nowhere near as good as your brand indicates that you are. Like it got to the point where like Brian Arakbo was like, Brian Arakpo's name on paper was a hundred times more intimidating than Brian Arakpo on the field of play. And Landon Collins is dangerously close, if not frankly already there. I, I, I don't see, again, using the term, any value over the re- replacement player X that Landon Collins provides. I just don't. I don't see it. If 
I will go out on a limb and say, if you put Reed fucking Dowdy in Reed. place in place of Landon Collins, I don't know that our defense is any worse. Yeah, I, I don't Matt know. That, say it again. So what about Matt Bowen? I. Uh, I might be it might be biased because Matt Bowen, the Twitter analyst, is probably more is more entertaining than Matt Bowen, the football player. But again, I, I'm going to say the same Bakari thing. Kari Rambo. I don't. I have a soft spot for Kari Rambo. So um, I, I just I don't see how we're worse. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think he provides anything special. I just don't. And as yeah. I've said, and I think that the last one or the one before, like if and when we decide to part ways with him because of his cap number, I'm not going to miss him. Yeah. So I'm going to. Do something a little bit. So our three down for those listening are injuries. The safeties are basically Collins and Avki, and then Haskins. Haskins is going to be its own thing. We're, I'm going to separate that. I'm just going to loop. I'm going to loop these injuries uh, just because I feel like we're talking about them together. Because the injuries, running back started getting into the secondary, and it was a problem, right? Uh, Chubb's touchdown run. Avki missed the tackle twice. He missed two tackles in one play. Um, look, I. I think it was last week. Yeah, it was last week because he had the pick where you put Collins down and I kind of gave him the, yeah. yes, he didn't play great, but he still had the pick to set us up in the, in the red zone. I kind of kicked the can down the road a little bit on him. But, dude, we, we gave him an $80 million contract, and the, the ROI on that is not good. Um, I is have there, no idea what Is he, there any return? Is there an R in not, the ROI? Not, not, not yet. Not, not yet. So – I don't know. I don't know where I am with him yet. Um, but he is now like. Let's just put it this way. I no longer think you're. You're totally right. I. He's much more of a brand than he is a football player. Um. And it sucks. We, he's. I don't. I don't know when we can get out of his contract. I'm guessing it's two more years. No, there's actually. But so you that shouldn't was, have. Schaefer did a really smart thing. So when everyone was making fun of us when, in the in the 19 off season when we handed him 85 million they're like oh same old redskins lol and if you look at it the contract was actually brilliant in the way they signed it which is why i'm like i'm panicking even less about him there was a out after two years like they front the way they managed to build it was they front loaded all the money and that if they decided that they want to dump him after two years it was actually very clean to get out of um and so it was, it was a really, really smart contract. So that like the number looked big and everything looked like it was really gross, but like it was very easy to like not find yourself paying a bunch of dead money down the road. Sorry, I cut you off. So, yeah, no, you're fine. I'm looking at a, have you ever looked at spot rack? Spot track is my site. Pronounce it. Yep. Spot, yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at it right now and it does say potential out after 2022. So this year, next year, then we have some sort of out. I'm not, I don't know what that out is. I'm guessing it's some sort of option that we have. Um, but you're right. This is actually a pretty good contract for us. Um, well, that makes me feel a whole lot better. Yeah. Uh, because he's not very good. And, you know, I you, I know you're really into the – you've been on this – you're going to die on the sale that our safeties have been terrible since – I will absolutely die on it. Yep. And, um, and you, A, you're not wrong. But B, you also shouldn't spend $80 million for an in-the-box safety. Um. If you're giving a safety that kind of money, you need someone I think that kind of can play all over, like a Derwin James, who's who's you know going to be roaming the field looking for a pit. I mean, he hasn't played in two years, but someone who has playmaking ability that can roam the you know the deep back. Uh, uh, what am I looking for? Like uh, deep minus, in the secondary, you can come and make plays. Not a guy I, that's basically a glorified fourth linebacker. If I could poach any player off of any team 
and add him to the Washington football team, or especially like in his prime and not maybe at their current age. Um, Tyron Matthew is probably my number one. Like that is the definition of guy who can do everything in the safety position. who can drop down the slot. He's so in such an incredible player. He's one of my favorite players. That's not in Washington. Um, if I could really choose any player in their prime, uh, his recent off the field transgressions have made a kind of persona non grata. It was Earl Thomas. Like, that guy was a monster. And like, he was like, if you remember the Legion of Boom, like he was the, yeah. the, the center fielder in the cover three scheme and Cam Chancellor was the blow shit up anything near the line of scrimmage. But Thomas was the eraser. And in, in Greg Williams, like I still remember to this day, which is why it kills me, like Greg Williams in 2007 was basically like, look, I'm gonna have my cover, my corners just do just enough. And I'm gonna have Taylor cover everything. Just the whole field is his because he can close so much space and so much time that he can make up for all of the, like any of the shitty play of our corners had. And they did have shitty play that year. Right. But it was basically a variation of the cover three. It was just Sean Taylor covering everything, but like that real roaming center field safety, who can go and just, you know, be the double team on top of when the corner gets beat, as opposed to watching Landon Collins try to hustle back there when he's an in the box safety or LaRon Landry or any of these other in the box safeties that we've masqueraded as center field safeties. It just, it kills me. I'm like, I'm not that smart at football, but I can't be the only one who sees this. And again, it's, we keep throwing money or drafting players or just shoving people into this position. And I'm like, why can't we have one of those, these players who are like a real, uh, like I said, a real free safety. And yeah, that's my hill, as you said. Well, Isaiah Wright hit that guy so hard today uh, to avoid an interception. Maybe he can play safety. Um, so yeah, those are, those are down. We've talked about that. There's still people online that defend that and I, I've yeah. muted them. I can't, I can't deal with them. Um, but let's talk about Haskins. Do um, have to? Yes, we do. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want Haskins to succeed. Right. Um, and there are things he does that he does well. The second touchdown pass to Inman was an absolute dart. That okay. is the arm talent that the NFL, that the NFL drools over. Right. Um, and you know, he started fast, and they get one point. He was six for nine. Uh, and generally in the first and third quarters, he was very good. Not very good. Let's, not, let's take the back. He was good. Um, I think he got a little bit of help from, from getting just the ball to people in space and allowing them to go do – like Terry McLaurin in space is freaking elusive. Um, having said that, he was awful. Uh, I don't think there's any way, shape, or form – if you're a Redskins fan or uh, Washington football, whatever, whatever we are, um, he was bad today. And a buddy of mine, Joe, texted today and was like, no football teams go without a quarterback. And he's right. Um, because we win that game today with competent play. And he had three picks. I'm not going to blame the fumble on him because Christian got beat by, like a drum Oh yeah. Um, by Miles Garrett. But the three picks were exceedingly worse, um, which I think is the – Hardest part for me. The first one he overthrew, obviously, to Thomas. We've talked about at length when he misses, he misses high. Every single person that covers the team will tell you every time he misses, he misses high. Uh, he also ended up throwing essentially the double coverage. It was a very simple pick. And it, ca- it happened on our plus side of the field yep. where we either could have pinned them deep or we could have gotten points. Awful. The second interception is going to probably make me lose sleep tonight because 
Haskins after the game said he didn't think he was staring people down, but he clearly stares down. I think it's Thomas. And but it was in a two-minute drill where we could it'll afford to turn the ball over. We were down 10-7. A chance to go and at least, you know, tie getting the ball back at half. And he throws a pick on the 30, and all of a sudden we're down 17-7 and a half. Um the third pick essentially sealed the game. We were down 24-20, I think, when he threw it. Um Again, he stared down Inman, and he even said after the game, I, I tried to make a play when I should have just checked it down. Um, look, Haskins was bad. Um, the thing I keep harping on with my friend group that I text with is this is his 10th start with three different coaches and three different offense coordinators. That's absurd. He has no one really to throw the ball to other than Terry. Um, although I was very excited about it right today. He has a bad offensive line. And again, his, his, he's on his third coach in 10 starts in the NFL. The average quarterback gets 16 games with one coach before that coach gets fired, at least. Um, he is not in a position, position to succeed. But as I texted you today, like he is making it hard. I'm, I've all been all in on giving him 16 starts. I think he should get those 16 starts, figure out what we got, and move on. But when I think about that screen today, in the second half to McKissick. If he just completes a simple screen pass, McKissick probably takes that ball to the house. Uh, next thing you know, we kick it's three and out and, you know, game on from there. But until he starts making basic throws, basic throws, screen passes, um, not missing high, making sure that like just hit a quick check down. There was, there was a ball he missed. He ended up throwing a seed to end for the touchdown, but the play before, he had McLaurin in the back of the end zone, and you harped on this last week. If he just puts some air under the ball, it's a touchdown. We don't even have to worry about the Inman throw. So before today, I'm a little bit on a soapbox. I'm sorry. Nope. Before today, I'm not so a couple beers deep, so I'm a little infuriated by this. That's the um, best time to get the honesty out, anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the, the before today, I have been trusting his talent. His talent. Everyone oozes his talent. And you know what? These people know more than I do. You see these throws to to McLaurin last year in the Jets game, the, the one to Inman today. Dude's just got a rocket arm. But if you start trusting your eyes, you start seeing him miss things, and you're like, dude, what? And then I went over to my in-laws' house, and I watched the Seahawks-Cowboys game, and it looks like Russell's playing a different game. Russell Even Wilson Dak looks like he's playing it. Out of his mind dude. right now. Yeah, but even – Dak played great. Yeah. Um, Dak is not a Dallas bad quarterback. That game I don't want to say bad good things about Dallas ever. Um, Dak is a good quarterback. No, he's good. No, it is what yeah. it is. But like watching those guys throw a football, not a hundred miles an hour every time, always leading the receivers, making the right decision, giving the receivers a chance to make plays, made me question Dwayne. Probably, I started questioning Dwayne, Dwayne early on today. But you know, I, I'm my eyes are starting to tell me, hey, he's not that good. Um, because today was bad. Now, hopefully he gets better. You know, I, the best thing that came out today in my mind was Rivera getting up there and being like, fuck you, I'm rolling with Dwayne. I love that. Uh, because Dwayne's a little prima donna. He needs people in his corner. Um, but, dude, he – I mean, I'll let you talk now because I don't – everything I'm going to say is either on Twitter or the Washington Post is written about it or whatever, but he was – it was one of the worst quarterback performances I've ever seen. I'm going to be honest. He lost a he he single handedly lost a football game. That is hard to do in the NFL. Yeah. And that fucking second pick was awful. Sorry, go for it. 
I, I, there's not really much for me to fill in. You did an awesome job filling in with the three interceptions. Um, the first interception, as you touched on, the overthrow to Logan Thomas, the thing that really killed me was that a couple of plays before, um, there was the long catch and run by McLaurin. Really nice play call by Turner. He ran a mesh, the, the mesh concept, which everyone's using in college, uh, college football right now. It's like, a you know, the air raid, spread offense staple at the moment where basically you have two receivers crossing over the middle forces the defense to make a bad decision or forces you know the defenders frankly to run into each other I think that's actually what happened um like two defenders ran into each other ran McLaurin wide open he you know went down the field and I think it was 35 yards when it was all said and done killed that drive it was grossly overthrown um yeah the second one without rehashing the three interceptions the one the thing out of after everything and you said it in the press conference, like you played like ass, you played like hot, sick ass in the game. There's no way to deny it. But when you with the comment that made me want to stick my finger down my throat and throw up was when he's like, I didn't stare down anyone in the game. And I'm like, okay, look, man, you it's uh, the old judge yeah, Judy phrase. Like don't <laughs> piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. And it's like, yes, yes, you did. You did multiple times. You did at the, at the second interception. I can't remember who it was intended for, and the one that Malcolm Smith intercepted because he was watching Dwayne's eyes, like literally make a beeline. I, I think, think it was Thomas. Was it Thomas? It was Thomas or Sims. I couldn't remember. Regardless, that's not important. And then the interception. So the interception uh, to uh, BJ Goodson, I think his name is, right? The one that was there. That one really made me mad because there was a couple layers to it, right? One, it was behind Inman, right? It was a solid four feet behind me, like a full plus yard. I don't think if BJ Goodson was like literally Thanos snapped off the field and didn't even exist, like even then, I don't think the Inman would have caught the pass. So that's part one. Part two, along the same lines, he, uh, Mark Bullock, shout out to Mark Bullock, did a great job uh, tweeting out clips during the game. Mark Bullock, the athletic formerly of the post. Um, and he did a flash right after uh, Haskins threw that pick. He threw it again, flat back footed, sloppy mechanics. And that's one of the reasons why the interception was just so off. And I think it's, it's a couple of things to that latter point. And I said it last week and I'll say it again. I am a hundred percent in agreement with you. Look, I want Haskins to succeed. I, I want to answer this quarterback position once and for all. I want to erase this narrative that Snyder came into the room, which he did and forced the quarterback down our throat. And now we're stuck with it. I want that. I was about to stop. He was like, Oh, he did. I want, I was going to say, I want that to just kind of go away into the ether and that to be like, oh, well, you know what? All's well, the dance ball, right? We can't keep seeing him make these bad decisions week after week after week. He makes bad decisions. And on top of making bad decisions, i.e. throwing it to the wrong person, not knowing how to change the speeds on his passes, forcing double, uh, forcing passes into double coverage, over-reliance on his arms, is he gets sloppy. He gets, his, 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 his arm trajectory or the release point of his passes are not consistent. And I, I do not think that he's deliberately doing that. I think that that's just kind of, he's just kind of hucking it, as I said again last week. And more importantly, his footwork is a disaster. And I think his footwork more than anything else, if you really, really sit and watch it, is what really uh, leads to his, his erratic accuracy or total lack thereof. And I think that's what really, really frustrates me. It's like, it's not just the fact that like, I like the fact that he, I think he wants it. I really think he's wired correctly. I don't even think his public rhetoric, like, 
RG3 used to say a lot of things as a rookie in his second year, like, I want to be great, and I want this, and I want this. But he didn't actually put in the work. He didn't actually, like, do the things required to be a great quarterback. I don't even feel, still think in many cases he does today after, you know, almost being out of the NFL. I think Haskins is not that guy. I think Haskins genuinely has the wherewithal to understand like what he needs to do in many cases to be great. I do agree with your prima Donna comment that I think he needs to be coddled a little bit, if not more than a little bit, but like the quarterbacking one Oh one is so bad with him. And that's, what's really hard. Like uh, because of red zone, I watched a lot of the chargers um, Panthers game, which wasn't exactly the great football, but like, you know, uh, they showed a lot of the Eagles and Bengals game, which, wow, that was ugly. But even then, it's like you watch Burrow, you watch Herbert, you watch some of the other rookie quarterbacks, and it's like um, these guys, they show progress, and they show – it's not – we're not – they don't make a mountain out of a molehill for one good thing they do because they're doing really good things and they're making really nice throws. And I think because Haskins is our guy, we're tending to overrate some of the decisions you make. Like I've – said it multiple times in conversations you and I have had the big throw that he had down the field to the jets that got called back for penalties, like Redskins fans, Washington football team fans cream their pants over that. And I'm like, it's one throw. It was a nice throw shows off a rocket arm. It's great. That's wonderful. With all due respect, Jamarcus Russell could have made that throw. Like, is that supposed to get me excited? I want to see true quarterbacking. And I just, it's so frustrating to me because I'm like, I don't see this. All of that being said, could same in the same way to you or same way like how you kind of caveated everything as well 10 games second offensive scheme third head coach 10 starts and i want to say this exactly in a similar manner at least to what you did let's say he's let's say this was um you could just redo everything and like he was in his 10th start after starting game one of the year and he had this clunker of a game in game number 10 in like november right? That three interceptions and the, and the outcome was what it was today. We would be looking at this from a different lens. We would be like, yeah, rookie quarterback, you're going to have those days and there are brighter days to come. Right. But because it's the second year, because of last year and all of these things, we're kind of looking at it differently. And we've said it multiple times. You can't ignore the fact that he didn't for, for a new offensive scheme, his second in two years, and all the shit that he had to deal with with the rookie, no OTAs, no mini camps, no real training camp, no preseason games. John Kime had a great tweet about this in the morning of, uh, or earlier this morning, right? You can't discount all of that and be like, why doesn't Haskins all of a sudden look like Dan Marino, right? So it's like, which way do you look at it? Like, do you really look at it from the perspective, like there's bad stuff, your eyes see bad things? Or do you look at it from the perspective of, yeah, but look how much adversity he has to deal with. And do we give him the benefit of the doubt as a result of that? And that's the thing I think we really have to wrestle. It's not Haskins sucks. It's not tank for Trevor Lawrence. It's do we, do we give him the benefit of the doubt from a, from a hope perspective that he's going to get better because of everything he's had to deal with and thus his learning curve is longer? Or do we make the knee jerk reaction that, look, there's some bad stuff that we're seeing now. And really, if you look at the continuum of progress, it hasn't progressed much, much at all, if at all, since what we might've saw from him last year, say against the Giants or um, against the Vikings. And that when he had a couple of really, really stink bomb games, but putting a bow on all of this, again, very similar to what you said. I think what Ron Rivera came out, I think he said it to Haskins before the game ended or right as the game ended and then publicly doubled down on it. 
you have to give Haskins this season. One, Kyle Allen is not oh. – you, you said it exactly. Kyle, putting Kyle Allen in, God forbid you put Alex Smith in. I don't want to kill that man. But putting Kyle Allen in solves nothing. You accomplish nothing by doing so. At least with Dwayne – with Dwayne – Dwayne Allen, I'm calling him Dwayne Allen now. With Dwayne Haskins, if you play him, you have the 1% chance – let's just even say it's that. Maybe it's less than 1% that he becomes something. But you gather enough legitimate data points and you can see the progress over a spectrum of time to where he was from in September to where he is in December in order to make the decision. Then at the end of the season, at the end of the season with all of those data points in mind, and you're like, okay, look, this guy, he never progressed. He's making the same mistakes over and over again. He just doesn't have it. Then we can start talking about, are we going to sign Cam Newton? Or are we going to, you know, draft Trevor Lawrence or trade up for Justin Fields or whatever, right? I don't want another Ohio State quarterback, but Point being, like, are we going to figure out the quarterback solution, you know, next year? Or is Haskins our guy? But you can't make that decision in the third game of September. As emotionally and irrationally as we want to, you can't. No, I think you're right. I mean, I, I, you said two offensive coordinators. I would argue it's three because Callahan came in and put a stamp on the playbook. And right. then it wasn't, it wasn't until uh, O'Connor – was that his name? Kevin O'Connor. O'Connor, um, O'Connor that's right. Uh, was allowed to, like, open it up that we saw glimpses of Dwayne uh, and what he could be. Um, the the let's say there's a one percent hope. My the part of me that hopes is Dwayne seemingly got better and better and better last year the more he played, um, and he rounded it out with generally three pretty good, uh, pretty good games. And then there were th- things he did say that he did well, and he said this in his presser. He's like, I need to go and also find things I did well and, and see why I did them well. And those were, you know, anytime we ran some Ohio state kind of concepts with, with drag routes. We came out, uh, he's just so much better in the, uh, up tempo. Yes. Um, so you, you, as a skins fan, you kind of have to hope he gets better because it's his season. And if we want to go anywhere, we need a quarterback to get there. Uh, so I do think our defense is, is, I'll say it's playoff ready. Our offense is not even college ready. Uh, but, if, if Dwayne can get better, then maybe we have something. You have to play him. But I think uh, I said last week two things can be true uh, with Dwayne, and whether Redskins fans want to hear it or not, he's got to play. And you know what? We're not good, and we're going to have to deal with it. We just got to hope he gets better. Uh, that's kind of the reality of the situation right now. Because we got the Ravens coming to town, and um, – I'm two for one on predictions this year, and I'm going to go ahead and say Dwayne is probably not going to beat Lamar. Um, Jesus. There's a chance we get boat raced this game. I don't think it's a chance. I would put it greater than 80% chance. Just be Somebody said this, and props to whoever it was. They're like, if the line is 30, I'm still taking – 13 and a half point dogs. I'm still taking – if the line was 30, like 3-0, I may still – like I would potentially still take Baltimore, right? Like that's how bad it's going – it could look, um, as you said, it's not going to get any easier. Uh, Baltimore's defense, which tends to get overlooked because of you know Lamar Jackson, Baltimore's defense has allowed two touchdowns this year, two touchdowns, Sweet. right? So um, great, great game for uh, you know for making life easier for Haskins. Um, you you said about Lamar, like I made the comment that you know if if Kyler Murray was a pain in the ass in week two guess how much fun Lamar Jackson is going to be next Sunday, right? Like it's just going to be another delightful walk in the park. Um, The only hope that we have is that somehow Baltimore runs out of gas after playing on Monday night against Kansas city playing tomorrow night or tonight, if you're listening to this on Monday. Um, 
that's that's really our only hope in this game. Otherwise, um, I, I genuinely, in in my heart, believe that this is going to be like a, a thirty point loss. I really do. Baltimore is that good, and we are not. We are that bad. Especially like we go back to the injuries of Chase and I know don't play. We're in trouble. Um, plus, one of the things I love about the um, Ravens offense is how how much it goes through their uh, their tight ends, and our Achilles heel is covering tight ends. <laughs> I actually started um, on my fantasy team, even though he's been garbage this year. My fantasy team entirely is garbage this year. But my I started um, um, I started Austin Hooper, even though he's been worthless, because I genuinely believed Austin Hooper, the tight end of the Browns, was going to do damage against us, and he did a little bit. But then, ironically, it was the other tight end who scored the touchdown, Harrison Bryant, the undrafted free agent. But I was like, I knew that Cleveland was – because Stefanski likes to use tight ends as offense, as they talked about ad nauseum today – um, I, and I thought that this was going to be a big game for him. And, and I agree with you where you're going that, you know, Mark Andrews, um, there's somebody else who I'm missing off the top of my head, but yes, they're going to um, play well. Also, one other thing um, I, I wanted to say this and I didn't really have a good spot to do it, to say it while our front four is excellent, including the depth that, that, you know, that rotates within the front four, our back seven is not good. It's just not good. And also, the first time I saw him probably this season, I don't know if he like he played in week two, Thomas Davis looks Thomas old Davis. and slow. Oh, yeah, my God. Slow. There was some a couple of clips of him running, and I'm like, did he wear cement in his shoes? Because, wow, he was slow. And I'm like, we got excited for that guy? Like, that guy looks every bit his age and then add another 10 years. Like, that was scary seeing how, how he ran or – you know, couldn't get anywhere running. Uh, that was bad. Uh, you know, we talked about the safeties. Uh, Kendall Fuller, he did exactly what we talked about, that, like, you didn't hear his name, so that was a good thing. Outside of, like, a few times he did the port, the audacity to try to tackle Nick Chubb. And one other point that I wanted to kind of finalize, final, finalize or uh, close out on for that was that um, Cleveland did a good job of avoiding trying to run down our throats. Like, they tried early in the game, obviously it didn't work, and they're like, fuck it, let's just run off to the sides. And that's when life started getting really good for them because they were like let's just avoid the defensive line entirely and run off to the sides because we don't have anyone who can stop them and we don't have any linebackers who can run sideline to sideline yeah the only i think kpl probably could he's the only one that i think can run sideline to sideline but once they hit those corners and you have the safeties coming up it's a disaster for us yep uh, i actually think our secondary through three weeks has been a way better than i thought they would be um and I'm talking mostly about the corners. I think Moreau's been pretty good. I don't know if Moreland got hurt today because um, I don't I don't feel like I saw him at all. But Fuller played, to your point, didn't hear his name. But these guys, you just talked about when when the Cleveland got to the edge, when they used their speed and, and their athletes and got out to the set, to the edge, we had problems. Well, like, all the Ravens are are just freak dudes who are going to torture us on the edge. Um, the, the opening line, keep in mind, it, I don't really take stock into home versus away uh, right now, unless it's like across the country. Uh, but it's in DC and the opening line is skins plus 13 and a half. I would not be shocked if we lost by three touchdowns. Um, it might be competitive for like a quarter and a half, two quarters, but to your point, I, I, I know Lamar's going to give us fits. He gives everyone fits. Like if any, any fan base that, wants to sit here and be like, well, we might win because Lamar, like, no, Lamar's a stud. Uh, but are, are we going to score more than – that's what we should talk about. Are we going to score 20 points? 
Are we going to score more than 10? I, I cannot confidently say over, yes. Over under, over under 10 and a half should be what we talk about. Yes. Points wise. I think for, so. For the team. Um, so I think it's going to be bad. I think it could be really bad. And we're probably only going to be a game out of division. Dallas has got Cleveland at home. Uh, so who knows? Maybe, remember that year we won with Kirk Cousins where the whole East was like the laughing stock of the NFL? Maybe, maybe, maybe in November we're like two games out of first place. Yeah, my, dude, go for it. No, I was going to say my only highlights, my only highlights of the day were, uh, Dallas losing, um, Philadelphia not beating Cincinnati and ending in a tie, which is, like I said, the old kissing your sister metaphor. Like that, the only, that's the only thing worse than that is, you know, open mouth making out with your sister is tying a football game and Danny Dimes looking like certified trash. Like, that get that 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 more than anything else probably gives me the most. Well, Dallas losing always gives me the most joy, but like Daniel Jones being you know hot sick ass as well was um, made me feel better. All I was gonna say about that is I, I tweeted from the Hell District account after it came out that Garoppolo wasn't playing. They didn't have Garoppolo, Bosa, Mozart, uh, like and you name a player in the 49ers, he probably didn't play today, and they. Boat raced the Giants. It was embarrassing. Uh, it was embarrassing. Boat raced them. And I don't think I've been that happy because, like, Haskins been real shitty, but keep in mind, Daniel Jones has been arguably worse. Uh, and that just warmed my heart. Plus, he comes from Duke. Like, there, yeah, that's number one. But the, the, the Duke factor is number one. But the Daniel Jones buzz before the season, like, he, he got some sleepy buzz, like, oh, you know, he could break out and stuff like that. Like, no, just, just shut up. This guy is a bum. This guy sucks. Uh, is more he has more turnovers than touchdowns. He is, if I'm remember my stats correctly, at least could be just through week one. He averaged more turnovers per game than any quarterback in NFL history through his first X number. Oh, he had two or three more today. Yeah, that guy can't stop. I would joke. I was like, I wouldn't hand him a baby because he would drop that or give it to the wrong person. Um, yeah, that's my that's my only consolation. Otherwise, everything else is shit um and it's not going to get any better going into if we if we are being honest going into the season in our podcast if we if you if we told ourselves you'll be in first place after three weeks we would have taken it or we would have laughed you out of the so room that's yeah so that's where i am there's so much other negative shit going on in the world might as well focus on the fact that we suck but so does the whole division yeah and like if somebody told you that at the end of the first quarter of the season we were one in three we'd be like yeah, that sounds about right. So if yeah, we're one in three, we're staring at one and four in the face. Uh, if we're one in three, who's after Baltimore? I'm looking that up right now. The Rams. Ugh. Sean McVay's been dealing, man. Sean McVay yeah. has been dealing. Even after going down that much, I think it's the biggest comeback or second biggest comeback, one of the biggest comebacks in NFL history, what Sean McVay and the Rams did today. Um, against a really dude josh allen out of his mind and uh and they still came back and pulled that shit off so yeah that's not pleasant oh and by the way aaron donald against our offensive line wonderful wonderful can't wait i'm sure chase Rouye can can hold him down yeah chase Rouye and west martin good lord almighty uh, to quote deadpool you better wear the brown pants because uh it's not gonna it, it's not gonna go well um on that wonderful note we will go ahead and call it quits um, thank you so much for listening to everyone who's made it this far. As always, subscribe to us on the usual channels. Call it YouTube, call it SoundCloud, and wherever else we decided we're going to plant this. I need to do some follow-up work on that. But uh, until then, we will talk to you later. Um, try to stay off talk radio and, and, and the, in the internet and the Twitters this week because nothing good's going to come out of it.
except for our stuff. Our stuff's the best. Listen. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.